This is what Penn State needs to do to beat Michigan. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of Locked On Nittany Lions is brought to you by Sling TV. Don't miss this week's matchup between Penn State and Michigan right here on Sling. Sling, the TV you love for a price you'll love. Try it today. I'm your host, Zach Seiko. This is my preview of Penn State and Michigan. The Nittany Lions and the Wolverines are set for a top 10 matchup. The Wolverines come in number five in the country, according to the AP. Four, according to the coaches poll, the AP slid them back a spot after the game against Indiana. Penn State is number 10 across the board, and it is in Ann Arbor. A big noon kickoff. Fox will be there. Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt are on the call. This game is a seven-point spread in favor of Michigan. They are minus seven, and the total is around 51, 51 and a half, depending where you look. Uh, in this episode of Locked on Nittany Lions, we're going to go through Penn, what Penn State needs to do to win this game and what they will do when they have the football, Michigan and how they will try to approach things when they have the football and how both defenses will counter and then finish the show with the X factors of the game, the keys for both teams, what they need to do to come out on top, and then the player performances that will have the biggest impact. So not necessarily guys that are under the radar that, you know, are they going to come out and play? The guys that need to have, whether they have a good game or not, they are going to dictate the outcome uh, and give you a few players from each side, Penn State and Michigan. But we start with what Penn State needs to do with the football and how they will try to win this game. Uh, the offense starts with Sean Clifford, the sixth-year senior quarterback, 13 total touchdowns to two interceptions, 1,030 passing yards, and he's been pretty good thus far. Aside from the pick six against Purdue and the interception against Northwestern, and that was a very rainy game against Northwestern, I really don't even factor that in. I just think that was the weather and the circumstances. Sean Clifford has eliminated the big turnover so far. Other than the Purdue game, he's been very clean with the football. And that needs to continue because Michigan will make you pay if you make mistakes. If you fumble the football on the other side of the 50, if you turn the ball over deep in your own territory with a bad interception, Michigan is going to try to do that. And that's why they are favored so heavily because Vegas doesn't believe that Sean Clifford can continue to do what he's doing. And I think in year six, I think in year two under Mike Yursich, which is honestly more important, he finally has some consistency. That is why you're not seeing it as much. Again, you had the one time against Purdue, but that's fine. Sean Clifford needs to continue to take care of the football, and they're going to have a balanced attack. I also expect Penn State to run a little more with him because this is a game that you need to win. I mean, every game's a must-win. It's the 1-0 mentality. I understand that. But when Penn State has the football, Sean Clifford is probably going to run a few more option plays this time around, even though he can now hand it off to Singleton and Allen, which those two we will get to in just a moment. He's going to keep the football a few more times in this game. And I know, when they played at Iowa, and he got hurt, it wasn't necessarily on a design quarterback run, but... This is a game, and, we, and we've seen him take some big hits. So it's kind of circumstantial. It's unfortunate if anything happens like that. But I know that he is going to keep the football more in this game because Penn State 
Uh, Michigan's going to sell out on the running game for Singleton and Allen if they see that football go into the belly of either of them. And speaking of those running backs, expect a lot of balance because that is how you're going to keep this Michigan defense on its toes. Michigan is very stout up front. We might see some 5-2 Oklahoma defense, which they unveiled against Indiana, probably just as a wrinkle so that Penn State had to see it on tape. I mean, both teams have been fairly quiet about keeping the game plan secret. Penn State showed a little bit of it against Auburn, not necessarily so much against Purdue. I think they saved a lot of the playbook against Purdue, and then late in the fourth quarter, that's when you saw a lot of Manny Diaz, that's when you saw some different looks offensively on that final drive, but they really broke out the blueprint against Auburn, and Michigan's probably looking at that tape saying, okay, if Penn State has a good day or their best game plan put together, what is that going to look like? They're not going to look necessarily at the Northwestern tape. They are going to look at the Auburn tape and a little bit of the Purdue game to see how they can beat them. Penn State's going to watch a lot of the Maryland tape because Maryland, honestly, was very close to beating the Wolverines. It was the 34-27 final. Penn State is going to watch a lot of that tape to see if Maryland showed anything that they can use against Michigan. But expect a, the same kind of split between Nicholas Singleton and Catron Allen, maybe about 20 carries or 20 touches per running back. I, I also think this is a game where we see Kevon Lee phased out a little more. It, there's... There's a depth chart for a reason. Singleton and Allen are 1A and 1B, okay? You can have the debate that you want about who's better, which running back should be the number one guy, the number two. I, I'm not for that. I think that Singleton and Allen are better at their different traits. So when you need the big play, you need the outside run, that's Singleton. When you need the zone run, when you need something right up the middle, when you need a guaranteed three, four yards... That's what you go to Catron Allen for. And the bye week has been so crucial because they have been able to self-scout and make the corrections that they need. And for these redshirt, these, excuse me, freshman running backs for Penn State, they are so intelligent for where they are. That is why you have seen them catapult atop of the depth chart and be as successful as they are because they don't make the same mistakes twice and they're true freshmen. To the wide receivers, Keandre Lambert-Smith is going to be an X-factor just in terms of his availability. This changes the dynamic of the offense in more ways than one. Keandre Lambert-Smith allows Penn State's offense and his other counterpart wide receivers to be single-covered. I'm not saying that Trey Wallace, who is the backup X-wide receiver, can't handle the workload but Keandre Lambert-Smith is the starter for a reason. He's better than Trey Wallace, and he commands attention. You can't, in, in this Penn State offense, notice how defenses haven't been able to double up on anybody. Because then, when you do, a Keandre Lambert-Smith emerges. A Brenton Strange emerges. Oh, there goes Parker Washington, because now you had to reassess and balance out your defense a little bit. Mitchell Tinsley can be your deep threat, and you have to respect all of that. If Trey Wallace is on the field you don't have that exact similar element just to the same degree is what I'm saying. Trey Wallace is very capable. He's moved his way up the depth chart. That's why he's the number two behind Keandre Lambert-Smith. But this would allow Michigan, or at least Michigan would show the confidence, they would basically disrespect a Trey Wallace and double cover Parker Washington or focus a little more attention 
on Brenton Strange and Mitchell Tinsley. That is what Keandre Lambert-Smith does. It keeps defenses from focusing on one guy in particular and bracketing them. Now, Keandre Lambert-Smith was seen at practice, so let's assume that he does see action in this game, but it's a matter of how much. Tight ends, Brenton Strange is going to get more attention from this defense. I think we have to understand that at this point. And I'd like to see how Penn State counters that. Uh, When Penn State has the football and Brenton Strange is going to get a linebacker and possibly a safety over the middle, does that mean the wide receivers on the outside have more one-on-one coverage? Are you going to factor in Theo Johnson a little more if you run some two tight end sets? Because I am clamoring to see Theo Johnson get involved in the game. We saw, I think, maybe one play his way this whole time. Now he's been injured. I understand that he's been injured, but he's six foot six. I think he can get involved in the red zone as well. Maybe slide him out, you know, bring him on the line of scrimmage and then motion him out wide against an unsuspecting corner and just let him go get the rebound. Basketball reference, but seriously, let him win the jump ball. I can't imagine how many other defenders that Michigan has that can match up with him. They are going to respect Brenton Strange, and I think that you have to get Theo Johnson involved in the passing game. Not seven, eight, nine targets, but maybe two or three to keep him off balance if you decide to go double tight end. For the offensive line, this will be the toughest test they have faced so far. Michigan's defensive line is good. Do we know how good? We don't because of the schedule that they played. Indiana and Iowa's offense are not formidable. Maryland gave them the biggest challenge and almost won in Ann Arbor as a 17-point underdog. And then how much how much tape do you want to watch of Hawaii, Colorado State, UConn? Those were some of the, those are some of the worst football teams in the NCAA right now. Of course, Michigan's defensive line is going to look really good, especially when Michigan is playing with the lead. The defensive line is allowed to pin its ears back, and James Franklin actually brought that up in his press conference this week, saying that. Michigan has been in situations, and we understand that, so that kudos to him for pointing that out. But the offensive line, I think, has the depth now. They are healthy, and the defensive line for Michigan is not the same that it was last year. David Ajabo and Aiden Hutchinson, now Ajabo got hurt leading up to the NFL draft, but Hutchinson and Ajabo were first-round picks in terms of their grades. They are not back. To replace that presence, you haven't had Michigan tested to see if they replace that presence. I like Penn State's offensive line to actually do pretty well or at least neutralize any threat that the Wolverines provide on the defense. Now, how will Michigan counter exactly? They are going to try to get pressure on Sean Clifford. We'll see what they do if they try to dial up any blitzes, if they send an extra rusher, because they're going to have to be wary of this balance that Penn State has. You have to respect the run, but you also have to maybe think about putting two safeties over the top because Penn State showed in Auburn that they will use that play-action pass to set up the deep ball to a Mitchell Tinsley or a Parker Washington streaking across the open field. That's where Nicholas Singleton and Catron Allen really help. But here is the game plan that Penn State is going to try to execute 
to beat Michigan. And I thought this was very important when it was made aware to me of what Penn State is going to try to do every single game. This offense is going to try and score early and score often. They want to put Michigan from behind, whether that's 7 points, 10 points, 14. They want to put them down. And obviously the objective of the game is to score more points than the other team. But Penn State doesn't want to lollygag is what I'm saying. They want to score immediately. That's why you saw them go for it on fourth down at the 50 against Auburn. Because they want to force you to pass against this secondary. They want to force you to go against the Manny Diaz blitzes. And is J.J. McCarthy prepared for that? Well, coming up in this episode, we are going to talk about that. What is Michigan going to do when they have the football? Are they going to be able to handle Manny Diaz's defense the first time they've seen it up close and personal? Find out after this. This episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up college football season. It is easy to get started and easy to play while you are watching your favorite team play. Easy to play and available in over 30 states. Just pick between two and five players across any team, not just Penn State, and decide if they will finish higher or lower. One of the easiest fantasy games out there to play, and you can win cold, hard cash in a single game. Sign up with the promo code Locked On. That's one word, Locked On. An underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. You deposit $100, you get $100 free from Underdog. Go to underdogfantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store or Google Play Store. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code Locked On. One word, Locked On. This is Locked On Nittany Lions. I am your host, Zach Seiko. When Michigan has the football, what are the Wolverines going to do? I think we'll get a little more of an evolved game plan from them. This is interesting for Michigan because they've dealt with some changes here. Josh Gaddis, offensive coordinator, leaves to take the same position at Miami of Florida. Actually, if you remember him, was a part of James Franklin's staff as a wide receiver coach. He wanted to move up in college football, and you now see that he's an offensive coordinator in his late 30s. So Michigan had to bring in not one, but two offensive coordinators. Their co-offensive coordinator, Sharon Moore and Matt Wise, the quarterback's coach. So this offense has a little bit of a different look. They've been fairly pedestrian, I would say. Really conservative, I would say. But game script has kind of dictated that. Michigan hasn't been in a position where they need to have this elaborate game plan and play from behind. They've played with the lead mostly, other than the Maryland game. Maryland gave them a fight. And that's why I said, look at that tape if you're Penn State to see how you can keep it close, how you can beat Michigan. And that's what Maryland did. But this is a new offensive group uh, that... Starts J.J. McCarthy at quarterback. Uh, McCarthy is, honestly, you look it up in the dictionary right now, efficient. You're going to see probably J.J. McCarthy. And credit where credit's due. He leads the country in completion percentage at 78.3%. This is the guy that you brought in, your four-star, five-star quarterback, wherever you looked at. Put him in a quarterback battle with Cade McNamara and... From who I've talked to, everybody says that they made the right decision, which is so strange to me. Cade McNamara led you to a number two ranking, 
a win over Ohio State for the first time in who knows how long, and then a loss to Georgia, and this is how you thank him? If J.J. McCarthy's that much better, I, I don't see it. I think that they're on an even playing field, and McNamara didn't really do anything to lose the starting job. Now he's injured, so is anybody really thinking about it? I, I just find that strange. That's the second time that Jim Harbaugh's done that. But back to J.J. McCarthy, fifth in the country in passer rating. He is more mobile than Cade McNamara, so if you want to add that element to the offense, you can't. You have to respect the read option if he decides to go to it. You have to spy him. You didn't necessarily have to do that with McNamara because he wasn't going to use his legs all that often. And neither does McCarthy, but he runs when he needs to. And McCarthy does have some speed to him, so on a 3rd and 10 and you're not paying attention, you're double covering a guy and, and backing off the defense, you're going to see him tuck the football and run with it. That's just the fact of the matter. And I go back to efficient. Aside from the completion percentage, McCarthy has nine touchdown passes to one interception. Uh, should he have more touchdown passes? I'm not really looking at that number because McCarthy hasn't needed to throw the football. His first 300-yard game came against Indiana because that was a close game. All the way through middle of the third quarter before Michigan finally took over. But this is an offense that can be balanced as well. You have the factor of McCarthy's legs. And with that balance comes two running backs. Blake Corum. Fourth in the country with 735 rushing yards. 11 rushing touchdowns, which is second most in the country. But he is the first and second down back. They've needed him more as of late because Donovan Edwards, the backup running back, who has blazing speed, is your third down back. He's been on the injury report, banged up. I expect to see more of him this week against Penn State. I think they wanted to rest him up for this game. But Blake Corum is the first and second down back. It's not that they can't use him all three downs, but Edwards adds that element that Corum doesn't necessarily have. Your change of pace, he's an excellent receiving back. And this is something that Penn State is going to have to be prepared for because I see running back screens, swing passes, Edwards in motion out of shotgun. And just to get some of those yards back, if Penn State is able to get them in a second and long, I could easily see Edwards checking into the ball game, taking a screen and maybe getting 10 to 15 of those yards back. Michigan's got some fairly dynamic playmakers. Now, the pass catchers themselves, I'm going to combine wide receivers with tight ends here. Ronnie Bell is the number one wide receiver in this offense. Grad senior, leading receiver with 30 receptions and 30, 390 yards. He's not the biggest receiver. He's fairly sized, I would say. Excellent route running, and he can go over the top if he needs to. Does Is he the fastest guy out there? No, but he can trick you. He has deceptive speed. And he can be a deep ball threat, even though we haven't seen that from the offense so far for Michigan. Like I said, really conservative, but game script in the past six games that they played have dictated that. They haven't needed to throw the deep ball. You might see it in this game, especially if Penn State does what it wants to do and plays with the lead. Luke Schoonmaker is the starting tight end. Now, Eric All was supposed to be the guy, and you might remember Eric All from last season because he scored what was the game-winning touchdown against Penn State. Crossing route, guys got tangled up on the Penn State defense, 
took one from Cade McNamara and just ran it down the field for a big touchdown play. 21-17 was the final, of course, in Beaver Stadium. Eric All's been banged up. Probably not going to see him for a while for Michigan. Luke Schoonmaker has risen to the occasion. Played well with the larger role. Second leading receiver on this Michigan team. Actually, believe it or not, 23 receptions for 229 yards and two touchdowns. So Ronnie Bell is your number one target. Schoonmaker's your number two. And then who are your third guys? Well, actually, it's interesting the way they utilize their third and fourth receivers. Roman Wilson and Cornelius Johnson actually only have 12 catches each. But strangely enough, they have six touchdowns, three each. So they are utilized in the red zone quite a bit. So Ronnie Bell gets them down the field. Schoonmaker is your safety blanket on third down and five. And Wilson and Johnson just have been utilized in the red zone. Like I said, six touchdowns, three apiece for those guys. The offensive line, definitely the best offensive line that Penn State has seen so far this season. Maybe Ohio State's is a little better, but I think that Michigan and Ohio State might be tied for first. Um, This is a group, and based on the personality of the way that Jim Harbaugh conducts his football teams, he likes to be physical, he likes to be big up front. And he's going to use that to his advantage, especially when he has the talent. Two grad seniors, two redshirt juniors, and one true junior on this offensive line. One of them is actually a grad transfer and someone that Penn State recruited heavily because they wanted to get him. And that's Olu Oluwatimi, who was from Virginia, entered the transfer portal. Penn State tried, but he ultimately chose Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines. He is their center. He imposes his will on defenders. That is going to be a key matchup there. Olu, Olu Watimi and P.J. Mustafer in the middle. Because now that P.J. Mustafer is starting to put together the tape and show that his surgery from the offseason, from the middle of last year and the recovery from the offseason, isn't lingering, Michigan is probably going to throw more double teams in his way. And that starts with Olu Olu Watimi and the right guard or the left guard, wherever Mustafer decides to line up. So the, the guards for Michigan, Trevor Keegan and Zach Zinter and Olu Watimi, their plan is probably to double-team P.J. Mustafer and then chip to try to get to the second level of the defense, the linebackers. How will Penn State's defense counter all of this? I think that if you expect P.J. Mustafer to get double-teamed, you put those linebackers right in the A-gap because you have to sell out for the run. Sell out for the run, force them to pass it as much as you can. I don't trust J.J. McCarthy. I don't. Has he been efficient? Absolutely. But he hasn't been in any big pressure situations. Oh, sure, he played last year. Uh, Did you know that he turned over the ball multiple times in a game that Michigan should have won against Michigan State? was almost his fault that they lost and, and the defenses, but they brought him in, and Michigan State's defense forced him to turn the football over a couple of times. So he's shown that. Now, he's not the same player that he was a year ago, but I, I, don't, I don't know that he's going to be ready, even with the schedule that they've played. Maryland gave them a scare, and if the ball doesn't bounce off a Maryland player's face mask, I'm not I'm not so sure that Michigan's undefeated coming into this game. I'm really not. 
Penn State's defense, this is what will happen. They're going to sell out for the run. They know that Michigan is going to try to play ball control. They're not going to let Penn State's offense be explosive, get in rhythm. They have the people to do that, the offensive line, Luke Schoonmaker as an extra blocker at tight end, and then Blake Corum to say, we want to get five yards every single play if we can. That's going to be a key for Penn State. Do not allow Michigan to pick up five, six, seven yards on first down. Force them into second and long. Make plays in the backfield. The linebackers are going to have to be ready to go. If Michigan is going to run this much, use some double teams, that means the linebackers are going to have to be relied on heavily here. Curtis Jacobs, of course, is the best linebacker on the team. Are we going to see a lot of Abdul Carter? Are we going to see some 4-2-5? Which will be interesting, actually, because of the way that Penn State's used the cornerbacks. Offensive lineman beats a cornerback every time. And I, I will find that actually very interesting with the way that these two teams match up. With Michigan running the football and being ground and pound, Penn State is probably going to have to go back to a 4-3 defense and have the extra linebacker in there. Now that's where Penn State actually has an advantage because even if they do go away from the 5-6 defensive back packages, the secondary is so sound and man with Joey Porter Jr. and Kalen King that they have the luxury of being able to bring a Keaton Ellis down into the box. Maybe a Zachy Wheatley, depending on who's back there at safety. Jalen Reed can factor in. But those guys can be placed on islands, and then you can allow the capability. And Jair Brown as a center fielder. Heck, you might even be able to bring Brown down into the box. Manny Diaz, I just saw a quote from him. He called Jair Brown a once-every-five-years type of player. So that's the respect that Brown commands. Michigan is going to try to run the football, and Penn State is probably going to have to be more conscious of putting run stuffers in there because Jonathan Sutherland, yeah, he's made the transition to linebacker, but is he capable of taking on an offensive lineman? It's an interesting battle. And like I said, Penn State has that benefit of having such Sure guys at defensive back so that you can focus on the run. You can sell out for it and blitz the linebackers. That is how they're going to have to counter. Just be aware that Luke Schoonmaker is going to be involved in the offense probably a little more because they're going to go away from Joey Porter Jr. and Kalen King, and you're going to have to account for Edwards out of the backfield. You are probably going to see... I would say a 4-2-5 from Penn State with Keaton Ellis and Jair Brown closer to the line of scrimmage because if you have Edwards on the field in those situations, you need an Abdul Carter out there with a Curtis Jacobs. I don't know that Tyler Elsden is necessarily fast enough to keep up with a Donovan Edwards. Just that That's one scenario. It's not going to be the entire time. But when you see Blake Corum out there, two tight ends, and the receivers in tight, yeah. Bring in the run stuffers. Kobe King, Tyler Elsden, Curtis Jacobs, have them up on the line of scrimmage. Bring Keaton Ellis down in the box, your most sure-handed tackling safety. But that is when Michigan has the football. This is Locked On Nittany Lions. I am your host, Zach Seiko. When we come back, the keys to the game for both teams, which I've essentially outlined, but let's put a bow tie on it and the player performances that will impact the game the most. And my official score prediction, it is Locked On Nittany Lions. Welcome back to Locked On Nittany Lions. I'm your host, Zach Seiko. Final segment, the keys to the game for both teams. 
the player performances that will impact this game the most, and my official score prediction, who I think will win. Do I think Penn State can pull the upset and have one, probably one of the biggest signature wins since they beat Michigan in Beaver Stadium a few years back? For Penn State, they have to jump out to the early lead, and that's the blueprint they want to follow. They want to force Michigan and any opponent. This isn't just specifically for the Wolverines tomorrow. This is so that they, this is the way that the team is structured, right? Penn State can now run the football so they can now play with the lead, but they want you to pass the ball against the secondary. They want you to pass the ball in a Manny Diaz blitzing attacking defense so that they can force turnovers and continue to just pile on. That's the name of the game for them. So your key is to force J.J. McCarthy to turn the football over. If they can get him to throw two or three interceptions, Penn State wins this game. They do. Now for Michigan, get any sort of lead or keep this game close and and run the rock. Penn State hasn't seen a, a rushing attack like this before. And honestly, if Purdue had a ground game, they very well might have won that game. The reason Purdue couldn't close it out is because they didn't have a confident enough run game. They threw the ball, what, a dozen times in the last 13 plays to end the game? That's unheard of. Michigan doesn't do that. They are able to run the ball, so if they have the lead late or if it's a tie game going into the fourth quarter, that's when things are going to be a little uneasy for Penn State fans, I must say. Another key for Michigan, I think, is to force Sean Clifford into some bad throws, if you can do that. So both keys for both teams are to force the quarterbacks into uneasy situations and turnover opportunities. Player performances that will impact the game the most, I think Sean Clifford and J.J. McCarthy at this point, with the way I've talked about them, are pretty self-explanatory. But Joey Porter Jr. for Penn State, will his performance will have the biggest impact. Because if he's able to get his hands on the footballs, if he's able to continue to break up passes and be a factor in the running game and come off Ronnie Bell, because I think he's going to shadow Ronnie Bell wherever he goes. Joey Porter Jr. can continue to be locked down. That will be a big benefit to Penn State. And that spectrum of his performance will decide the outcome of the game. I could group the whole defensive line here for Penn State, but... I'm going to single out Chop Robinson because he's been graded as one of the best pass rushers in all of college football. He needs to get home. He needs to create an internal clock for J.J. McCarthy because McCarthy has not been under pressure all season. You need to get in his head early and make him think, oh shoot, is Chop Robinson coming from behind? Get the sacks you need. I, again, I could group the entire defensive line together here, but I think it's Chop Robinson because he is going to be chasing after the quarterback. For Michigan, Luke Schoonmaker, his performance will be an important one. Penn State in the middle of the defense. The linebackers haven't seen a tight end that is really sound in the passing game other than Purdue. They did have to guard Payne Durham. But Purdue had other weapons at its disposal and wasn't necessarily always going to look at the tight end with the way that Michigan's offense is set up. It's Ronnie Bell and then Luke Schoonmaker. 
he's a focal point in the offense. And if he's able to open up the middle of the field, if he's able to secure some big catches and force Penn State to be a little more respectful over the middle, yeah, he's going to dictate the outcome of this game. And then there's Mike Morris on this talented Michigan pass rush. Leads a team with five sacks. If Morris can get after the quarterback and create pressure and force Sean Clifford into some bad plays, yeah, those are all the players that are going to have the biggest impact, both positive and negative, whichever way it goes. But their hand will be in the pot for the end result. My score prediction. I'm going to sound like a homer here, but I think Penn State wins this, and I think they win it handedly. It was, the final score will be 28-20 to 20, Penn State over Michigan, and Penn State will finally get some national respect that it deserves. Then the next big test is Ohio State. The Wolverines, I think, have lost so much. Here's the way that I look at football games. What kind of bar are you setting for each team? Penn State is looking at Michigan as a college football playoff contender because that's what they were a year ago. They're not sneaking up on anybody anymore. So Penn State is going to set that bar really high and Michigan's not going to meet it. Michigan lost both its offensive and defensive coordinators from a year ago. Made the change at quarterback. Lost its three best defenders Aiden Hutchinson, David Ajabo, and Dax Hill. They frankly played a preseason to start 2022 with Hawaii and UConn and Colorado State. They almost lost to Maryland. That's pretty telling. And I think that will all catch up to them against a team that is top 10, should be in the national conversation, and get a little more respect when you talk about the college football playoff. Penn State wins this game 28-20. J.J. McCarthy will have two, if not three, interceptions in this game, and they will have to play from behind and Penn State will show why it has one of the best secondaries in all of college football. Thanks so much for listening. My official Penn State Michigan preview. That's going to wrap it up on Monday. We'll recap it all, and hopefully Penn State comes out with a win. Hopefully I am on the right side of my prediction. 28-20 to 20, Penn State over Michigan. Know what your team is up against across the Big Ten with Locked On Big Ten. Every day, host Nate Dickinson and the local experts of Locked On take you across the Big Ten in 30 minutes. Make Locked On Big Ten your second listen. That's Locked On Big Ten.